welcome to And It's Writing, a tipsy writing podcast for one of our mini episodes. Every other Friday, you can also join us at 7.30 Eastern on Twitch for a live stream. To see the upcoming schedule, check out our website at anditswriting.com. That's one word, no spaces. I'm Avery Ames, writer of adult fantasy. And I'm DC McNaughton, speculative and historical fiction writer. So grab a drink, pop in your earbuds, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, so today we're going to kind of talk about another craft-based topic, which is how your character's motivations and your character's goals will shape your plot. So this is kind of when you're developing your story, how to look at what your characters want and what they're willing to do to get it and how that can actually like develop the plot of your story. But wait, Avery, but wait a minute. I'm writing a book that all I really want to do is focus on all the war and all the stuff it's not really character based. And all I want to do is just write one thing happening after another. Like, why can't I do that? I I contend that those are character based. Why? <laughs> I do think that, like, for example, like let's say there's a war and you've got, I mean, not to get like deep or like depressing about it, but look at like today's political climate. All of those political figures have their own motivations and goals that are helping drive these particular interactions and conflicts. So like, yeah, you want war because country A wants country B's resources. That makes sense. Country A is they're suffering famine. Country B is a rich country, has all the food. Country A is like, fuck it, let's go to war. But someone has to pull that trigger. <laughs> Why does that leader decide to finally pull that trigger? What is driving them? Because the leader is old and has cancer, probably, and has a serious problem with everything aside from himself. Sorry. I'm really mad at Putin. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry about that. I had to. In this case, I wasn't actually thinking about that particular instance. I know, I know it. But you're, but you, but it's true. It's like, what, what is yeah. driving that person? Because people don't do things for no reason. I mean, very once, every once in a while we'll do like some dumb shit. But people don't make like big decisions for literally no reason. So, so you're writing a book about war. And and all you've got is war, but I can guarantee you it gets much more interesting. The moment that the person that started the war might be freaking out because they're dying of cancer and is like suddenly like, oh my God, like I have all this stuff that I have to reconcile and I better start shooting people. That's not great, but you know, it definitely makes the story more interesting. Or if the person who started the war is in some ways, it let's take this away from that specific situation let's pretend this is some fantasy world where there's like an oppressor like a colonizer and there's a you know a the colonized rising up like the colonized kingdom colony doing a rebellion well what drives that leader to go you know what enough is fucking enough did someone important to them die did they see people in the streets starving because of trade embargoes it there, there's something driving them other than just like, well, decided to. So, <laughs> yes. Like, even if your plot is extremely broad and political and like a huge scale, 
the people in that like machine each have like something they want and usually more than one thing <laughs> because people are multitudes um and as much as i joke about how we have different faves um in books one of the people that does this well is sanderson mm -hmm. his characters each have like a thing that drives them yep and they're all working in the little they're all little pieces in this chessboard but each one has like a reason they're on that chessboard and the reason they're going that way yes and i do think that you know if you ever listen to Sanderson lecture, this is one of the reasons why. And a lot of, you know, and I, we always mention Sanderson. And, and this is because Sanderson makes all of his lessons available online mm -hmm. for any writer, right? And, and it makes him a very good resource for you guys to go and look up. Yeah. Um, so we use him a lot because he does offer this stuff for free for people who cannot afford educations, which is great. So what he does is he lectures a lot about uh, how unimportant plot actually is. It, it, it is necessary to drive the book forward, but it is less necessary than the characters driving the book forward themselves. Because without the goals and the heart and the passions and the struggles of the characters that are doing the things, those things that make those characters act, your plot has no blade at all. Yeah. It doesn't. And it makes no sense and it's not believable and all kinds of stuff. The characters are where your reader finds themselves in the story because that's where they anchor themselves is within one character or multiple characters, but within the heads of these people who are doing the things that are in the story. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're playing like a top down like real-time strategy game, which can be fun, but in literature, it's not usually what we're looking for um, because you don't, in a book- It's not interactive. Yeah, in a book, you, you want to live alongside the character. Yes. And you want to be like breathing in their space and know why they're doing the things that they do. I, I do often talk about like, especially we kind of joke about it in one of our writers groups that they're like the plot first writers, the world first writers and the character first writers and yes you can have those things first you kind of need all of them <laughs> you do like you need a little bit of everything yeah you can have the one that comes to you first and the one that you align with the most but the rest all need to weave into that like i am definitely a character first writer world second plot third um when you're like brandon Sanderson says plot is secondary i'm like woo good uh, because yeah. that's my weakest point is plot. And um, yeah, I have to work really hard at it because I build my characters first, my world second, and then my plot. But if you're a plot first writer, you do need to think about how your characters are going to play into that. You can absolutely build your plot first. If that's the thing that comes to you first and you're like, okay, I need a guy who's going to start a war. Mm -hmm. And then maybe your plot and then world and then characters. So you're like, okay, I need a guy who's going to start a war. Here's where the world is. Here's where the different like big conflicts are here's where there's like trade embargoes here's where there's resource problems here's where this but then you need to put that character in that space so you need all three it doesn't matter which you do first but i think all three are very important building blocks of a story yeah and your character can help push that plot forward based on what they want and what they desire and what they're willing to do to get it. Yes. Like how far is that character willing to go? Yes. And there is 
there's a point of contention here because there's a lot of people in the world that are authors that have a really great time writing characters. And the point of contention um, here is what if you're someone who, who lives with a disability that might make it more difficult to be in tune with what many of us consider, you know, a pretty average headspace where, you know, we, we have things that we want, or, you know, we have, there are, there is a, you know, there's a spectrum of people out there who does, who are writers who definitely do have some difficulty deciding how to bond with characters and, and try to figure out what their intentions mm-hmm. are and stuff, because they actually have problems bonding yeah. with people in real life. They, they have, they struggle to, some people struggle to read expression. Yeah. These are, these are all roadblocks that, you know, and, and every writer has a roadblock. Every, every writer does, but this is, this, this specific roadblock is something I've seen in, in friends, close friends, far away friends. I've seen people, you know, like how, how do I write a person when I don't really know what it's like to be an average person? Yeah. And that's a really difficult, that's difficult. That's a very difficult. Yeah. Like if you are in some way neurodiverse, trying to put yourself in the head of a character who is neurotypical is going to be very hard super hard extremely hard um oh yeah and in some cases you don't even know that's what you're trying to do um like absolutely like mine is not really quite the same but for example i very pretty recently was diagnosed with adhd and i had moments where like my therapist would be like that's not something everybody does i'm like what no yeah it is she's like no it's not (laughs) that's that's specific to your neurodiversity and i'd have to be like right oh oh Oh, okay yeah so trying to put yourself in other people's headspace sometimes you don't even realize you're trying to put yourself in other people's headspace that can be really hard trying to like get into the brain of characters that are not you that do not think even remotely like you and for some people depending on who you are and what you what what your brain looks like and who your character is and what their brain looks like is going to be harder yes absolutely and like and and fortunately the writer's world is becoming more Mm all-inclusive uh there's a lot of publishing houses that want to see you know stuff from writers of all types people who are marginalized including those who are neurodivergent and the issue with it is and you know i found you know i had an issue with this too because i'm on the spectrum as well um, in in a different way, and it, it you know I had trouble being like, well, I don't, I don't know how you know, am I filtering right? Am I, you know, am I having these characters say the right things? Am I even writing a dialogue that's going to matter to to a reader in a publishing house? Like, they, yes, they want to publish a neurodiverse author, but do they want to deal with the roadblocks that we have to deal with? Because sometimes our dialogue just doesn't add up. You know, like sometimes it's not right because you know, at least not right to them. It's perfectly right to us, right? Uh-huh. Um, it's not quote unquote right. So how do we make somebody who's neurodiverse accessible to the public? Mm-hmm. Like how do we make a writer like that able to sort of make something that the general public can read and enjoy? And what I have found is just a lot of resourcing. Mm-hmm. The uh, Ackerman books that we've recently, we, we always reference them, the uh, Angela Ackerman uh, the negative trait, positive trait, emotional wound, festerous, like sometimes like starting with something like that, that, and we can resource, we can source this in the, in the podcast, uh, on the website. Yeah. In the show notes. But like sometimes starting with a resource like that 
And then actually what I do is I Google like those people with those issues. And like, I, like, I literally try to just place myself in, in, the, in that space, right? Like I, I have to become someone new. I have to have an emotion that I've not had. I have to, you know, I have to write a character who's not neurodivergent mm -hmm. and it takes more research, but it can be done. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. At least it can be done for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it can be done for me. I don't know everybody, you know, I'm not, I'm not in your shoes, yeah. but it, it can be done for me. That's how I manage it. And, and hitting some of those goalposts with character drive, what, what's driving them? What are their goals? What do they want? Just sort of referencing what other people have done. And then like, you know, trying things out. And we have a questionnaire. I don't know if we actually have our questionnaire up on our website. Well, Avery and I built a questionnaire uh -huh. sort of based off of a bunch of stuff that, you know, we had discovered over the time. And, and filling out those questionnaires actually helps me sort of uh, process writing a non-neurodivergent mm -hmm. character better because I'm I'm looking at a list of all these things that people, a list of things that people apparently uh, have. <laughs> and then I'm forced to fill in the blanks. And somehow that sort of allows me to, to look at it a bit differently. Okay. And, and it, and it does sort of lead. And, and, you know, I do have beta readers. I have a beta reader in house who I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'm writing this right. Can you tell me? I have help. Yeah. You know, I, I have help. I, I have accepted that I need help sometimes. And so that's how I get over that. And I bring this up because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people who struggle with this are, are people who aren't trying to, like, not write character. They they just they only know plot because that's all they see, you know? Well, and one thing, um, two quick notes. One, the character questionnaire is on our website. I will relink it in the show notes of this episode. Um, and number two, kind of a sidebar of what you were talking about is if you're writing a character who is who has some sort of neurodivergent characteristic or is neurodiverse in some way and you're having neurotypical people come back to you and be like i don't get it i don't know why this character's acting this way don't you don't have to like change them yeah what i did for in, in this case, it's a little bit different. But, but when I was writing Cambiare, I wrote my main character bipolar by accident. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing until a reader came back to me. A beta reader came back and was like, I don't understand your characters. Like her reactions are way extreme. And I'm like, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. And then later I had to realize I'm like, oh, that's true. Because she does tend to like overreact to things, quote unquote, overreact the things based on a neurotypical neurotypical perspective and i had to go oh that's because this reader didn't realize she was bipolar because i didn't realize that's what was going on mm -hmm. so i actually just included a couple of lines that pointed out that she's like she'd had these moods before like i made like a little because it's fantasy so they don't really have the word bipolar but i made a note of like she's has had these moods like this before and then i think i even included a line to like her her aunt and her mother had also had these moods or something like that where kind of showed like oh okay yeah being like one little line being like this person thinks differently just deal with it let's go <laughs> Like, that's why I have to announce myself when I walk into a room because I just expect like 80% of the neurotypical people in there to just like not have any idea what's going on when I walk into a room. So I have to walk in and be like, uh, I have arrived. <laughs> and so, yeah, and and I mean, it does suck that you have to kind of be like, you have to kind of like neon signpost things sometimes. But, you know, especially if in any way you are not neurotypical, 
you kind of have to like it sucks but you kind of have to assume that some neurotypical readers are going to need a little hand holding people are still learning to yeah. get us not everyone can know how awesome we truly are <laughs> they're just lost and a lot of people really will like buy on and go okay now i get this character's motivations because i understand that their motivations are going to be a little bit different than mine i joke about how i was like oh they need some hand holding but honestly, a lot of people just haven't had a lot of experience with reading characters that don't think the same way they do. So just having like a little bit of like a just a heads up going to be a little bit different. And a lot of people will buy in on that, especially in these kind of speculative fantasy genre fiction, because those people kind of already tend to be like open. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, neurodivergent people out there who are working on a book and are running into a problem in this section, uh, th this area of writing, um, I will tell you what I always tell somebody who is marginalized. Do your best to figure it out as best you can and write the book as best you can with all the resources on the Internet that are out there to help you do a, like do your best to 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 try to make your book as um what's the word i'm looking for marketable as possible based on like the you know what normal people want to see in a book and and do your best to do that because uh our voices need to be heard and sometimes it's hard for us to like get stuff out there sometimes you have to like sneak in yeah like you just got you just gotta like you know because it, it's really hard because they say they want to hear yeah. from us and then we don't fulfill these little check boxes and, and so we have to like kind of go above and beyond sort of do check those check boxes so like let's do yeah. it <laughs> fist bump let's do it and do our best to get in there because to educate you know to, to have more neurotypical people reading yeah. our stuff that's going to be great and like you know people are going to start learning and that's that's awesome education is key right even if your character isn't thinking in a neurotypical way if your character is thinking in various and sundry neurodiverse ways it, especially if you know you're an author that's like this character thinks the way i do that's that's perfectly fine but that character can help drive the plot with the way that they think and the way that they achieve their goals because everybody has goals everybody has something that they want um regardless of like what your particular brain chemistry and makeup is you want a thing yes you do and your character's going to want a thing and the way they go may they go about it may be different depending on their circumstances their brain chemistry whatever but they they will help drive your plot based on what they're trying to achieve and working that into the plot can help add a lot of layers to a plot that is more broadly based. Adding in those characters can add like a whole layer of depth to that. Yeah. And it's harder, but boy, you know, it, it, it does, it, mm -hmm. you get what you deserve in the end. You know, after you've done the work, it does pay off. I, at least I think it does. But yeah. So yes, use your characters, use them to drive your plot. If you are a plot first writer, it can behoove you to weave them into the plot. All right. Well, that will be it for this episode then. And we will see you again later. Bye. So every other Friday, you can join us at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch for the live stream. And to see the upcoming schedule, you can check out our website at anditswriting.com. And a reminder that if you heard anything in the episode that interested you, please check out the show notes for links or information. Thanks for listening.